Hi, I'm Sammy Shulman. I'm Josh Siegel. I'm Yoni Pruce. And I'm Aaron Kirkpatrick. And welcome back to The Floater. Today is the culmination of our position-by-position all-time NBA positions of all time. Nice job, Sammy. Thank you so much. Thank you. So it's center, and we've been talking and hyping up centers, and I think they meet up to expectations, as Josh loves to remind you. All, you know, what are those, Josh? Six or seven of these centers are top 15, 25 of all time? Yeah. Well, I mean, I would say six of these guys will be in my top 12 when we do our all time. And there were 12 MVPs on this list, right? At least. Yeah, there are well, 12. 12 one of the, there were so many MVPs that one I left of them three did not MV- even make my list. Yeah, I left three MVPs off my list. Oh, I might yeah. have left more than one. I wasn't saying that all of them were on our list, but just out of all the centers I looked at. Yeah. You said, yeah. Right. So, yeah, it's a pretty exciting position. Uh, Tomorrow is Wednesday Watchables with a, another Philly sports fan slash Red Sox fan, as we've mm. been discussing. Yeah. Zachary Ryan we'll talk- Miller will be coming on the podcast to do Yoni's favorite game of all time, Super Bowl 52. I, d- I did not like that sentence. Mm, what do you mean? I think you did. I, I didn't appreciate it at all. <laughs> well, anyway, so we're doing the <laughs> Eagles Patriots Super Bowl from a couple years ago. Should be a fun time. Uh, make sure to check out floaterpod.com. We got articles going up every day. Today, there's an article from Yoni. From Yoni. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, I wrote about the last dance, my favorite moments, favorite quotes. And I think uh, you can go check it out now. It's already posted, so that's exciting. And check yep. out the Floater Pod on Instagram and, and Twitter. Let me know where else we are. I just said on Twitter. Oh. <laughs> and other than was... that, let us get into our rankings. Starting off with Josh and I's seven honorable mentions. <laughs> um, Not a yeah. joke is the thing. I know. So I just realized I miscounted. Just to tell you the same position, I have seven honorable mentions and four of them are MVPs. There were 13 in total. So Sammy and I must have missed one when we were talking earlier. Who do we miss? I Maybe Willis Reed. Did we say him? No, we said yeah. him. Oh, did, said we say Bill, did we say Bill Walton? Yeah, I, I think so. I don't know. I wrote them down in mine. Maybe not, though. All right. All right. Either way. So my honorable mentions are... I'll quickly let Josh go through his. Dwight Howard. No particular order as usual. Dwight Howard, West Unseld, Bob McAdoo, Robert Parrish, Nate Thurman, George Mikan, and Dave Cowens. All right. My honorable mentions in no order are Alonzo Mourning, Bill Walton, Ben Wallace, George Mikan, Dave Cowens, Robert Parrish, and Artis Gilmore. Yoni, do you have any honorable mentions? Otherwise, I have one. You can say yours. One? Dwight. Yeah, Dwight Howard. Dwight I, cracked my I list easily. Dwight's in your list? Oh, yeah. Okay. Big time. Huh. Dwight's not on my list. I, I, yeah. I didn't really make a list of honorable mentions. He would be in mine. It just I kind of got kind of lost after I went like the those, those deep centers. It wasn't really that I made a list of honorable mentions. I just wanted to make sure I mentioned Dwight. Yeah, and I'm glad. I forget who, but someone mentioned Ben Wallace. I think it was Sammy. That was right? me. I, I appreciate you mentioning him. Best undrafted player of all time. Yeah, that, yeah. I was about to say that. It's He's not one of my favorite Well, wait for players. Kendrick Nunn's Hall of Fame career. That's, that's unfortunate. No. That might be the I'd best see- take you've ever had. You just- oh, really? In a good way. <sighs> Thanks, Sammy. All right. Okay, should we go to the list? Yeah. Sure. Let's yep. do it. All right, so at number 10, I have Patrick Ewing. Yeah, I have Patrick Ewing there, too. So do I. At number 10, I had the YU, Wes Unseld. That's my boy right there. Um, I didn't have Wes on my list. I mean, I, I, I just I had him at 10. He was the youngest player before Derrick Rose to win an MVP. He's one of the only... One of only a few players to win an MVP in his rookie season. He has 110 win shares. I mean, he didn't play that many games with under 1,000, but he averaged 10 points, 14 rebounds a game on 50% shooting. And, I mean, he won an MVP and a finals MVP. He's a five-time All-Star. I mean, he doesn't get higher on this list because he's only a one-time All-NBA, but he's one of the greatest undersized players of all time. And if you want to talk about a guy who knew how to win – I mean, he carried Bullets teams to the playoffs, like, when they really had no business being there. And uh, obviously, I'm a fan of Wes Unseld, as, you know, every time I go to a Wizards game, he's in the Raptors. But I think he deserves to be on my top ten. I can't get mad at that, and I like that. 
don't know. I mean, I think I didn't put him here just because in a position full of dominant players, he was never that dominant. Where, like, the year he won MVP, it sort of looked back historically as sort of a weird thing where people were really excited about his outlet passes. Well, but, yeah, I mean, he's the best outlet passer of all time. But just Bill Russell. that year, it it sort of looked back where he won an MVP averaging 13.8 and 18.2. Willis Reed had 21.1 and 14.5. And Willis, like, Willis Reed had three high, higher PER, four more win shares. And then it was sort of viewed as a thing where, like, oh, wow, the, we overreacted. The, thing is, Josh, the Bulls, the Bullets went from 36 and 46 to 57 and 25. Right. But I mean, the same thing could be said for, like, Larry Bird's rookie year, but he didn't win MVP. Not that I'm comparing Wes Unsell to Larry Bird, but like. I like that comparison. Th- <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, like, I mean, Wes, I uh, Willis Reed was better that year. I don't have much of a problem with putting him at 10. I personally left him off my list. He's also on a lower tier than my nine. So it's just, it's how it went. I had a bunch of options for 10 and he's who I went with. Yeah. I mean, I, I think when I was looking back at his stats, they didn't really t- say much to me. And personally, I don't know too much about Wes Unsell's history. I know a little bit, but I think. I mean, he's six, in, seven, right? If yeah. he had a good day and he averaged 18 rebounds. I mean, he averaged 14 rebounds for his whole career. He was one of the greatest outlet passers, so he's huge for an offense. I, I, I don't know. Right. I'm not saying anything. He's a bit bad, underappreciated. I'm just saying I don't know much about his. I know the things I do know about him are mostly stats and like stories that I've heard. But like, if you want to say that he's on the top ten because he helped winning, he helps their team win. I'm fine with that. I mean, yeah, for I me, mean, it's just at the end of the day, he was a little sort of second fiddle in a league where like Kareem, Willis, Reed, and Cowens were the three big guys. I mean, in 1974, he had more rebounds than any of those players you just named. Right, but they were all and like players. Right, I mean, and that's why they're higher on the list like, for the most part. Um, I mean, I would put Cowens on the list ahead of him. Nah, um, yeah, I disagree with that. All right, well, at nine, I have Patrick Ewing. At nine, I have Willis Reed. Yeah, nine, I have Willis Reed. I have Bill Walton. Yeah. Um, so, Willis Reed, like I said, I think he should have won the 69 MVP, which would make him a two-time MVP. Um, but he was a really he was a really great player. Um, he and Cowan, sort of their careers intertwined, where they came up at the same time. They were both undersized lefty centers. And even though he, I think it's sort of an overrated performance where he only scored four points in that game, even just playing in game seven of the 1970 finals and scoring two baskets is like an incredible accomplishment. Um, Like he, he had literally torn his quad, which just kept Victor Oladipo out for over a year. Mm-hmm. And in the book of basketball, Bill Simmons talked to a doctor and what the doctor said was you got guys don't have to do it now, but like I would actually recommend doing this after the podcast just to see Put you put two fingers on your thigh right below your hip, then raise your knee up like you're shooting a layup. That muscle that you feel tighten is the one that he completely tore. Huh. So just right. just to imagine playing twenty five minutes in the game seven on that, it's incredible. Um, can I quickly ask Aaron a question about why Bill Walton's ahead of Ewing? Um, oh, I have Bill Walton at eight. I don't understand uh, that at all. So, can I just quickly say me, one thing that I think... For me, Sammy? Or you go first. All, right, all I'm going to say is why. Bill Walton in his, you know, 10-year career dealt with injuries, won one MVP. He was a two-time NBA champ, but one of them, you know, he was on this, he was like a six-man. But mm-hmm. he has 39 win shares for his career. From 1989 to 1993, so those four seasons, Patrick Ewing had 47 win shares himself. So for his whole career, Patrick Ewing and a lot of players, a lot of centers who you didn't include on the list, had win shares and meant more to their teams in four-year or even three-year stretches, whereas Bill Walton had that for his whole career. So for me, it's that Bill Walton... Can you let Aaron respond? Oh, sorry. Uh, For me, it was yes... One of the NBA championships was as a six man, and also 
I, I saw the win shares of 39, but he also does have an MVP, which Ewing didn't. And he also had a finals MVP. Those were kind of, the fact that he had championships stood out to me. And then he was also a finals MVP, meaning he was the best player. All right, on but I'm just saying he has, he didn't start on the Celtics. Well, no, but he's, it's like in the you, playoffs, he had seven points a game, Josh. No, yeah. it's Phil, it's rebounds. universally recognized that he took that team to the next level because him and Larry Bird are two of the smartest basketball players of all time. And the, just them playing the together playoffs four times. He had played four uh, games the whole playoffs in 86. You no, sure? He only played in the playoffs four seasons so, out of 12. So the reason Bill Walton stays here is because, like, I think... And one of them, Josh, just so you know, one of them was on a Celtics team where he averaged two points a game. One of them was a Celtics team where he averaged seven points. He Like, the whole playoff Bill Walton thing is very much well, over no. So 1977, Bill Walton has an incredible playoffs. Where when I was talking about it, I forgot about 77 as one of those one guy carries his team on a back to a championship. Um, where in those finals, he averaged 19 points, 19 rebounds, and four blocks in the clinching game. He had 20, 23, and eight. And where he, for one and a half years in 1977 and then 1978, so much better. Bill Walton, yeah. like just the list of players who had any period the way Bill Bolton did in those one and a half years, it's just a small list. We're just So you're calling him because of one year better than a guy who's played who has 120 winters three times as many. And then even in the playoffs, it's not exactly like he had a poor playoff career. I mean he brought the Rockets to seven in ninety four. I so he, I'd he was, he I'd, I'd rather in the finals. I'd twenty five and twelve in game five, seventeen and fifteen in game six where they only lost by two. And probably should have won. And in all those games, he was playing 45 minutes. To me, a guy who can play like that consistently is better than a guy who had one good season and then had 40 win shares for his career. So I'd rather one and a half transcendent years out of a guy who brought me to a championship and got me an, an MVP than a guy who spent a long career as a really good guy, but ultimately could never quite get me over yeah, that. He, was, he wasn't he a superstar. Was- he was easily a superstar. Ewing was a great player, not a superstar. Easily a superstar. I think he was no. close to the superstar status. I agree with Sammy. I, I mean, I'm he has one All-NBA appearance. Look, Patrick Ewing has seven All-NBA appearance. One first team, I mean. First team. <laughs> okay, but that's because he played in an era with, with Akeem. Like, I don't – Also, still, it, he's a center. Still, and being on All-NBA in general, in my opinion, like, yes, first team is obviously the best to be, but you're still being considered a top 15 player. Or, or a better way to look at it, especially with center, is a top two or three center. Because with guards, there can be two point guards or shooting guards. Centers, there's one center. Yeah. And exactly. so I'm not yeah. saying Patrick Ewing is better than Hakeem, because he wasn't. But he was right next to him every year. Right, Patrick. No, I'm not saying – I'm like – So how can you say Bill Wallen's better? Because Patrick you at the end of the day, Patrick Ewing never quite got to the level where for one and a half years – in a league with Kareem, Wait, what is Bill, that level? Bill was the best. Bill Walton was the best player in the league. Like at the, for one of, where, Josh, where for one it's, in the year he won MVP, he had nineteen and thirteen. You know how many so, better years so Ewing has had than things, that, Josh? So Bill Ewing's Walton had twenty eight and ten. Sammy, Bill Walton is one of those guys who I talked about with Larry Bird, where his impact went so far beyond the box score. For where, one where, where at the end of the day, very few guys can say that they've been the top scorer, top passer, top rebounder, top shot blocker, top defender. Like, he did every single part of that team revolved around him, and the amount of different things he did as a basketball player, even play, he did more things than even players who I have ranked higher than him. And just for those for one, one year. One, but those one and a yeah. half years are one, it's one of the greatest so, periods can I, can any I player is given. Like, I, th- I, I think... We're just disagreeing over what we'd prefer. I'd, I'd rather, okay, I'd rather really one prefer in, one good like year than seventeen this is, great years. It's not years. a good year. I'd rather one and a half transcendent years. All right, then. Josh, I, I feel like I, I feel like it's a pretty obvious choice just to take the longer and better. Yeah, it's seasons. I mean, I understand what your point about Walton's impact goes beyond the box score, and we can't just understand how transcendent he was by looking at stats, but. If we're looking at an entire span of a career, it seems pretty Not obvious that close. Patrick Ewing had a much better career than Bill Walton because he, he, I mean, Bill Walton had a great transcendent one and a half seasons, but 
you're looking at Patrick Ewing, who played in an era with like insanely talented players, and like Michael Jordan. Like maybe he didn't get over the hump because Michael. Jordan well, he didn't get over the hump because it was Hakeem, but he took Hakeem to I seven, mean, and Bill they were Walt, up three Bill two Walt in the finals. But also Kareem Josh in '77 in the East Conference Finals. Ewing. The thing is that Patrick Ewing was a, like I'm not. I I he, Bill Walton's a two-time All Star. That's the bottom line. Like you can't have a guy who's a two-time All Star. Be better than a guy who's an eleven-time All Star. Yeah, I mean that's the, the two-time All Star. I'm sorry, I, I KP. Also, after can... hearing all this, do you still think Bill Walton's better? I still have Bill Walton higher, but I could make the argument to have Bill Walton drop to ten and Ewing at nine. Uh, just at the end of the day, very few players have had a run where you drag a guy to a championship, win an MVP, go 17 and 15, and do things that really have never been seen before on a basketball court. And I honestly, I'd just rather rather that than someone who is a very good player for me for a long time. The year he got me over the hump. The year he won the MVP, he only played 65 games, Josh. Right, so that should tell you something. That's why I said one and a half years. Yeah, he was injury prone. Not denying he was injury prone. My point is, Sammy, he was so Josh's... good in that period that he still won MVP. Yeah. All right, that, that, that should show you impressed. just how dominant he was. That he could win an MVP and have that much an impact on the team by even though he only played 65 but, games. And he, right, and, he, and he averaged an astounding 18 and 14. No, but... I... And three well, those are, the, those are better than you numbers that you kept touting with Wes Enseld, first off. And Se- I, I... Josh... Second, Patrick Ewing compared to Bill Walton. That's what we're looking at right now. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, at the I sa- think it's pretty simple with Patrick Ewing over Bill at Walton. The same we're looking at it's ridiculous. Career. We're looking at careers, not peaks. Yeah. Like if we're talking peak of Bill Walton. It would be different if Patrick Ewing. Ewing was good for four years and Ewing was transcendent for, but, but Patrick Ewing was great for at least 11 years. Yeah. And he has a, 80 more win shares. 80. Right. Because he times played as longer. Exactly. Bill that Walton matters. Was- that matters but I, when we're looking at careers. All right. If I were to tell you right now, the Redskins will get a quarterback who will be a very good quarterback for you for 15 years, but will never get you over the hump. Or you will have a quarterback for two incredible years who wins you a Super Bowl and does things that's never been seen before on the football field, but then he's going to get hurt. Who would you rather? Okay. So first of all, Josh, obviously I would pick one Super Bowl over no Super Bowls, but at the same time, just looking at a career and not a team. I would rather have been a Trailblazers fan in that time, but I would not. But that's irrelevant compared to a guy who brought his team to the finals once and lost in seven, compared to a guy who won one finals as the main guy on the team. And then other than that, it's a what if. And I have to live with that for the rest of my life that I don't know what could have been. So for me, from. the reason Whereas is... Ewing, all right. So just for me, the way I look at it is that what if keeps him at eight and keeps him from the top three. But, but you so but you're choosing a what if over a guy who was great and I think a superstar and it's kind of well known that he's a superstar for 11 or 12 years and that's that's ridiculous yeah. to me uh, I think we should move on from this specific argument because I don't think we're changing anyone's minds anymore but I'm, I agree with Sammy and I think KP agrees with Josh so yeah I don't okay know. so at seven. Um, well, I never even said my eight. Oh, I don't do think any of us have except for you. Okay. Uh, uh, my eight is Dwight Howard. Yeah. You said you had him on your list. Yeah, I mean, so, talk about a guy. I hear your Dwight Howard case. Yeah, I mean, you want to talk about a guy who who's – I mean, he's similar to Patrick Ewing in a certain, to a certain extent, and I think he's better for a few reasons. I think, first of all, in terms of playoff success, it's similar. He brought his team to the finals once but didn't do quite as well. But he's a five-time all-defensive and three-time defensive player of the year. That's just not really heard of. Not to mention mm-hmm. the fact that he's an eight-time All-Star, eight-time All-NBA. I mean, to me, it's not that close that he's better than Bill Walton, but it was a little close that he's better than Patrick Ewing. Um, what stood out to me that put him over Patrick Ewing was the fact that in less time, he has more win shares. He's at 133 for his career. His PER mm-hmm. is higher than um, Patrick Ewing's. And, I mean, as a whole, just looking at his body of work, he he led the league in rebounding, I think, five times. And I yeah, think he was a five-time rebounding yeah. Right, and I think it's consecutive. Um, there was just a stretch from 2000, really 2006, 2007, to 2010, 2011, before he really phoned it in, 
because he wanted to leave, where he was considered the best center, and not just the best center, but a top five guy in the league. Yeah, so Dwight Howard and Patrick Ewing have really similar career arcs, and they're really similar players in the sense that neither of them really ever... Like, both Dwight Howard and Patrick Ewing could have gotten to top five on this list if either of them had really developed a dominant post game where neither of them were ever that refined in the post. They were just really physically dominant players. Um, And they were both great defensive players who could sort of, who had great teams and never quite got them over the hump. I sort of always look at them as very similar guys. We're like, I had, that's why they're right next to each other for me. Right, right. I had Patrick Ewing at 10 and I would have had Dwight Howard at 11. Yeah. And I think one thing that I thought of while you were talking, Sammy, about why you had Dwight at eight, is that nowadays the the game doesn't really like if you think about top five players nowadays you don't really have centers. Actually, not Dwight, a center in the top five. I, think, right I now. think Dwight Howard would be better today. Because oh, yeah. no, that's I not mean, what we're saying. We're yeah. I, unless I'm misinterpreting Yoni, I think what I'm saying now and what he's saying is that a lot of times with all NBA, the center isn't a top five player. Right. Like we had DeAndre Jordan a few years ago. Right. But for yeah, what, I, what I'm trying to say is Dwight was a top five player for five yeah. years. Oh. Exactly. That. I'm yeah. Yeah. I'm saying there aren't many times where a center is a top five player, which shows just how dominant he and was. And he was for five years. Yeah. Which is, which is a lot of time. And because if we're I thinking about question. five years, that's three times as much as uh, Bill Walton's transcendency. And I just think I think the interesting thing with Dwight Howard is that ten years ago, people kept demanding he have a post game where that wouldn't necessarily be where he wouldn't necessarily need that today. Where if you look at the two thousand nine Magic team. What really helped them wound up making the finals is that Jameer Nelson got hurt. So they wound up just spreading the floor around him with guys like Hito Turkoglu and Richard Lewis, who were just incredible, just lengthy space the floor shooters. And that Magic yeah. team was a little bit ahead of its time. And what actually hurt them in the Definitely. playoffs was when right, Jameer Nelson came back yeah. and it sort of convoluted the offense. And I think it would be interesting if you were just to surround Dwight Howard with today, say, not even necessarily these guys, but just, like, sort of these types of players where just, say, like, De'Aaron Fox, Devin Booker, Chris Middleton, Ryan Anderson or something like that, where it's just, like, you have a... Where just, like, you have a point guard who can run the pick and roll with him, and then you just surround him with shooters and have him the only guy consistently playing within within even 15 or 20 feet of the basket... You spread. Yeah. could be the power forward. Yeah, why did yeah. you say Ryan Anderson? He's just, so he's just the first guy that came to my head. Ryan Anderson was a fun throw. You were like yeah. all these no, players yeah. who are good now, and then you're like, oh, Ryan Anderson. Uh, uh, it's it's <laughs> literally just the first guy who came to my head. No, no, it's not. Right, but no, but no, you, no, get the, right, you get the point I'm trying to make. Yeah, yeah we do. I mean, like, he had that around just... him, and he should have won the MVP in 2009. Yeah. I don't, I mean, I don't, I'm not going to use that for his case because you know I'm against that. But just on a separate note, I think he was the MVP. He was my MVP in 2009. Yeah. Um, and, like, just think about today. If you give him one guy who can create his own shot and run a pick and roll with him necessary and then give him three shooters, and with a guy with his passing and rebounding ability, as soon as the double comes, he's finding an open shooter. And if the shot misses, he's getting the putback. Yeah. So, I know I, Before listen- you go, Aaron, can I just say one thing? Yeah, go ahead. And I was talking about just I know I'm bringing it back to Bill Walton, but it's not I'm not arguing like I'm done. I accept that you think he's better. All I want to say is that from 2008 to 2011, so you're talking about 3 years, 3 years of basketball. The 2008 09, 09, 10 and 10 11 seasons, Dwight total winchers were 41.3, which is better than Walton's whole career. Mhm. And I'm a winchers guy. We know that. Yeah. Yeah, we do. So, um I have one thing. I know we all listen to Bill Simmons, and he has, we all know the thing about too early, just on time, or too late as far as Dwight's career. Do we do we all think Dwight came in the league too early? I, I actually think it was just right, Yeah, in my opinion. I think, I think a Josh, little early. Josh thinks a little early. The reason I think just right, though, is because I think it was important for him to have come out of high school. That's mm-hmm. part of it to me. And I, yeah. I just because I think that he would have had a more refined game, but part of what made Dwight so great is that he played like he was a kid, and every possession to him was like he got to try his hardest and do his best. And it wasn't until he really became like an adult, like who realized, oh, my legacy matters and that kind of thing, where he started to kind of lose it. Um, I also think that he came into the league at the right time because there just wasn't there, – there was just starting to be like the whole shooting and stuff like that. And I feel mm-hmm. like he wouldn't have been quite as good 
in a league where people didn't try him in the paint as much because that's what his – if you want to talk to Dwight Howard, the absolute best thing Dwight Howard did was defend the paint. And so that's that's my just right Dwight Howard case. So I think I would say he was like literally not like decades uh, late, but I think if he had come into the se- the league one or two seasons earlier, he just would have been a bit better because he would have had a couple more years before the the three point shot became. I guess you could call yeah, it. Yeah, but normalized. the real reason that he became yeah. bad, not bad, but a lot worse than he was was because he became unhappy with his situation yeah, and then demanded trades to places where he just didn't fit in. Yeah, well, well I mean, I think... Yeah, he just forced himself out I of I think the situation. biggest difference is that what people expected him of him were just, I remember, like, I remember, I think it was either in an article he wrote about him at the time or in the book of basketball, but in, in his Dwight Howard section, Bill Simmons wrote something like, if only he could develop a post-mover three... I'm like, yeah. that just wouldn't be asked of him as much today, mm-hmm. where everyone was just like, we're going to feed you 12 times a game back down. And that just wasn't his game. And I feel like today, it would just be more accepted that there are ways you can use him as an even more dominant player without trying to force that into his game. One other thing I want to quickly talk about is the fact that he he's not nearly as good, but he's rejuvenated his game this year. His, uh-huh. And so, like, he has a chance to even finish a little bit higher. Well, no. Actually, I'm taking that back because eight is the absolute highest mm-hmm. he can go at this point just because of who I have ahead of him. But at the same time, just quickly, I know I'm using win shares too much, but this year he had five win shares. Embiid had 5.6 and Anthony Towns had 5.1. So, in terms of win shares, like, he's right in there with those kind of names, which is a huge throwback season for him. And he was a key piece on that Lakers team. Yeah, no, the – Watching the Lakers team this year, I would say, was quite enjoyable. Watching Dwight ha- have a good season, as well as uh, JaVale McGee. Both of them playing pretty well was enjoyable to see. Well, he started the season off not having a full contract for the year. Yeah. Which, I mean, like, they had to... I think was better for his him. way to having a full year. Yeah, no, I agree. He had, he had to push himself, which was good. Yeah. yeah, well, and I actually think what a lot of people have been comparing this to White season two was Bill Walton's season with the Celtics, where he comes in and wins sixth man of the year and sort of both of them help bring that team to the next level where like Dwight's energy off the bench has been really big for the Lakers. And like, there's a reason that the Celtics, the best they ever were was when Bill Walton and Larry Bird were playing together just in terms of the passing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's sort of where both of them, like they're adding that extra bow for me of the late career rejuvenation eight or nine years later. Hmm. Yeah. I'm sorry to get sidetracked. I just thought that was worth bringing up. Also in terms of active players, just so one more Dwight thing, he's first in all the rebounding stats, first in blocks. So like he is the defining center right now still of this generation. And by generation, I mean, since 2004 when he was drafted, Um, he, he, he deserves more credit. Like, the issue with people like us, like our age, we started watching just as things went downhill for Dwight. Mm-hmm. But there still was a six or seven year period, which is a huge period. It, like his prime was just earlier than most people's. That's right. the bottom line. I mean, and the yeah. biggest thing that always held him back was just his offensive game didn't completely fit in. And as the I offensive mean, game evolved, he devolved. And that's why I, I, mm-hmm. I'm not, I don't disagree with KB saying he's maybe a few years too late. Um, but yeah, yeah, should we move into the top seven? Yeah. Or did Yoni yeah. and Aaron Ever even give us their eight? Uh, I had Willis Reed. Um, I think I had Dwight there actually. All right. Yeah. yeah. At seven, I had David Robinson. Me too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I assume that that was going to happen. Kind of a universal it's, yeah. place to put him. And it's it's its yeah. own tier, really. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's. Like- it's like eight through ten, and then there's the top seven. Yeah. But David Robinson, it's on the outside. Yeah, it's sort of his own tier where he is better than I. It it's weird to say this first for, but like he's better than your typical one or two MVP center, but he's not quite in like the elite elite list. Yeah, yeah. I think it's kind of uh, interesting, and we'll see how the rest of the list goes. But Josh and I. A few weeks ago, like when we first started talking about doing this like series of having a be current and all time, we talked about um, our like what a potential list could look like. And I feel like 
from here to number one will basically be all the same except for maybe one or two players. Yeah, well, we, we all have the same top six. I'm just going to go out on a limb and say it. There's almost yeah, no way we don't. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. then that means somebody's leaving off a, a hall. I mean, one of, that means someone. level one guy. Right. That means someone is leaving off one of the best 12 or 13 players ever. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, on our final list for this, like top 15 or whatever we're doing, these top six. These are guaranteed. Very high. Yeah. Yeah. I will say for me, six is a slightly low category again than the rest. So who do you but have I there? know that Josh is not going to agree with this. Is Moses Malone. I, 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 Moses Malone. Moses, Moses, yeah. Moses. I, I have him there too. But um, you agree that's in a different tier? Yeah. All right, um, okay. Just because... Um, These five, for me, the next five are all top... The next five will all be in my top ten. But I think Moses Malone or Moses Moses, however you wish to say it, is one of the most underrated and least talked about players of all it's time. Because he moved around so much. Yeah, and yeah. and he his did. and he had a lot of longevity, but his real statistical peak was only five years. Yeah, but I feel like if you were to ask a bunch of like casual NBA fans about like great centers, yeah, would it be the they first never, Well, that's because they would never think it's because so much of basketball, just how we perceive people, is based on personality, and he was possibly the most introverted superstar most introverted and awkward superstar in sports history mm-hmm. he's second in career in free throws he's yeah. first in career in offensive rebounds yeah he's, fifth he's, the, he's the best on, he's the best offensive rebounder ever yeah and, i mean in terms of rebounds per game with all the centers that were in the league from 1978 through 1985 in those seven years he led the the nba rebounds per game six times I mean, and he, in terms of offensive rebound percentage, Josh, he was second all time, yeah. but he was still like still the probably the best offensive yeah. rebounder of all time. Yeah. And uh, what what it was with him, we saw Rodman in the Last Dance talk about how like rebounding was an art form to him. It was a whole nother thing for Moses Malone, because the thing is, he was small. He was generally listed at six ten and could barely palm a basketball, but mm-hmm. he spent so much of his career working on this rebounding technique and it was just completely unstoppable. Yeah. Also, I was looking, I was just looking through his career stats for playoff games and I believe he played a hundred games and he went 51 and 49 in those playoff games. Yeah. That's pretty impressive. It was just a fun fact that I was looking at. No, I don't. I actually don't think that's that. That's good, not that great. Yeah, yeah, he has. No, it's it's not. It's not. I'm not saying that because if you think about that, that that kind of means like he rarely got out of the second round. Yeah, well, because he didn't play on a lot of great teams. The only great team he really played on was those Sixers teams for a few years with Dr. J. Before Dr. J really started to decline, when they won the they won the championship, going 12 and one in the playoffs in '83, um, and then in '81 completely forgotten but the rocker rockets are 40 and 42 and he winds up bringing them to the finals and going six games against the celtics mm-hmm. yeah so all right should we go into our yeah. top five now all right uh, this was the hardest one for me to separate these two not for me, mm, i thought it was going to be harder than it was i have shot but, at five right, sammy. Four. Nope. wait sammy did we just we, you had a team? I think we lost Sammy, but if I heard him correctly, he said no. Why did you lose me? Oh, I, oh there you are. I can I, hear when you. did you lose me? The way you said no, it sounded like it, so, it sounded like you were cutting out. No, I was just yeah. I was just saying no. Oh, because I, I, I don't think it it's, I, it ended up not being close. And I'm very surprised and anxious to hear this next argument. So you have Hakeem at five, and yeah, Shaq at four. I have Shaq at five. Same here. Let's just go through it quickly. Who made more All Star teams, Shaquille Shaquille or Hakeem? I mean, I don't think that's who made more. Just just let me go through my thing. Who made more All Defensive teams, Shaq or Hakeem? Hakeem in there. Then let's go to MVPs. Uh, Three time Finals MVP, including Finals MVP. Okay. Now I'm getting confused. I'm confusing myself because my case is weird. But Hakeem, 162 win shares. Shaq, 181. Shaq's PR is higher. And Shaq's PR is ridiculously high. Like, unbelievably high. Uh, Shaq played basically the same amount of games, but averaged more points, uh, same rebounds. In terms of percentage, 8% higher for Shaq. 
Um, obviously, neither of them were particularly good uh, three-point shooters. Hakeem was better from the line because Shaq's, you know, Shaq from the line. But Shaq is a four-time NBA champion. Hakeem, a two-time NBA champion. Shaq's a three-time finals MVP. Hakeem's a two-time finals MVP. They both won one MVP. I mean, I don't really see what's better about Hakeem so at all. So, for me, the biggest thing for me was just the contemporaries at their position, where if you look at who they're sharing all NBA teams with, Hakeem, at the beginning, it's him and Moses Malone and him and Kareem. And there's basically a five- or six-year stretch where basically every year the three guys on the list are Hakeem, David Robinson, and Patrick Ewing, who are three guys on our list. Um, Once it really becomes Shaq's league, there's a little bit of Alonzo Mourning in there, but it really becomes spread out. There's some there's some Jermaine O'Neal. There's there's some Ben Wallace. There's some Yao. It's a lot more spread out, and the guys he's playing against at his position are not that, that good. I mean, in 1995, one thing to note about Kareem is that, or Hakeem, is that he played the five, but he came into the league as a four. And if the other team's best player was a four, they would have him guard that other guy and go one and one against him. And I don't know if just in terms of player matchups, there's ever been a better title run than Hakeem in 95 when in the playoffs he beat Carl Malone, Sean Kemp, Charles Barkley, and Shaq. And that finals was big for me, but when they played in the finals, he swept Shaq. But that I was think, Shaq's second I year in the league, very, though. But Shaq, it was more than his second. It was his third. Third, okay. But, I mean, Shaq was a great player by that point. But no, that was his second year in the league. No, his first, year was, his first year was 92-93. His second year in the playoffs. Yeah, I mean... Uh, Okay. And that that year Shaq was a great guy. He was second team all NBA. Like So here's here's the thing about Shaq though. What to me would be able to say, okay, looking at their careers, four finals wins, three finals MVPs, two final versus two finals wins and two finals MVPs with the same amount of MVPs, so their accolades are the same. Is there really enough for Hakeem to get over? The reason why it's not is because in the playoffs, the two thousand playoffs is one of the most ridiculous runs ever, right? A thousand minutes played in the playoffs. Only time that's ever happened. His PER in those playoffs was thirty point five. I'm talking about Shaq right now. He won the Finals MVP, and that's one of the best teams of all time. I mean, just the advanced numbers for him in the playoffs and the regular season are absolutely insane. I mean, think about it. Think about it this way: if you were to play forty eight minutes every game, you would have to do that in what, like twenty twenty five games to get to there, and Shaq did that in the playoffs. In terms of field goals, he was first in five years of his career in terms of field goals made, whereas Hakeem was only first uh, no times. I figured he'd be once, but after looking at it, he never was. And yes, that has to do with the fact that he played against better competition at the time, but at the same time, Shaq was more dominant. Yes, Hakeem's first in blocks, but in terms of free throw attempts, obviously Shaq's higher. In terms of free throws made, he's actually higher than Hakeem for his career. And that speaks to longevity. In terms of points, he's higher than Hakeem. In terms of rebounds, he's higher than that. Like, I don't know. Right. I mean, I don't think it's that big of a difference between them. I think the two things is that Hakeem was and, a- and the thing is, I'm not going to let the fact that a prime, absolute prime Hakeem beat a Shaq in his second year in the playoffs and the finals make the difference there. And you want to talk about advanced numbers? I mean, Shaq's fourth all-time in PER, and when he was in the league, he was the best. I mean, that's your advanced stat, Josh. You know, right. I, don't I know. mean, for me, the biggest thing is just the guys they're playing against. Whereas, just quickly, whereas Hakeem was 18th in PR, but those kind of stats that I'm talking about, PR and win shares, don't talk about. That has nothing to do with who they were playing against. That's uh, their stats. Right, but it's still affected and in by terms your of defensive rating, in some way. Well, it's harder, not a, it's, not really. it's harder to get better stats. Just, but it's, these are advanced stats. These are stats that look well, at their body of work. Right. Yeah, but, if you're but no matter what, players, it's harder to put up a better body of work stats. against better yeah, players. Yeah, I don't, I don't personally yeah, exactly. know like, how PER is calculated. But for win shares, at least, in my mind, it makes sense that you'll have like a higher win shares if you're playing against easier competition because you're able to dominate more and like do more. Right. What I mean, about at the, the, fact, at what the, about the, the fact that Shaq's defensive rating, it, he's 13th all time. Whereas Hakeem isn't even in the top twenty. Or oh, I'm sorry, he's not even in the top fifty. He's Hakeem was a two time defensive player of the year though. And Shaq never had defensive player of the year. Yeah, I mean he... But that just goes to show that that Hakeem's defense game's a little overrated. All he did 
was block shots. But when you that's go into the advanced true. numbers, it's, when you go into the advanced number, when you go into the advanced numbers and look at defensive rating, which we've talked about for everybody as being pretty much the most important advanced defensive metric, he's his career is one hundred one point three. I don't, like, I don't know. Okay. I think I don't know. I, obviously, you guys aren't going to change your mind because it's close enough that you don't have to. But that's why I think Shaq that's is better fair. than it's good. Okay, sure. so for, for the for the career, Hakeem has a 98 a defensive 90s. rating. Shaq has 101. Hakeem has yeah. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 seasons with an under 100 defensive rating. Whereas Shaq has 1, 2, 3, 4, 5. The fifth was in a year where he only played 36 games. But like Hakeem's inarguably a better defender. And I think at the end of the day, what people I hate that like people say that Hakeem's championships don't count because without MJ because at the end they're of not, the day they're not as good. I mean, he didn't win it when MJ was there, and when right? MJ but left, I mean, he won it. that like, says something. I mean, the same thing can be said for Shaq. Explain. Well, MJ like Shaq, but he was in his prime when MJ was out of the league. That's the thing. He, like, it, it, Shaq's the prime started by the time he got to the Lakers in ninety seven ninety eight. They were they were a very good team, and they got knocked out of the playoffs by the Jets. Like the '98 Lakers were a very good team by that point. Shaq's they prime, but no, no, Shaq's prime started but, in '99, 2000 because before that he was a little bit injury prone in during that stretch that you're discussing. For in '96, '97 he only played 50 games. In '97, '98 he only played 60 games, and in '98, '99 he only played 50 games. So then well, you get into the 2000 season, and that's when he starts to turn it on. So he basically, what we're saying is both of them. I, I'm not saying, Josh, how is me saying that his prime started at 27 weird? No. He had a great seven-year uh, prime. So, no, so what I'm saying is both of them reached their best heights once Jordan left the league and it was up for someone to snatch no, that mantle. No, but I'm disagreeing. So you're saying, no, but, like, at the end of the day, after, like, I talked about it before. prime started while Jordan was in the league. They were drafted in the same draft class. But you also can't compare him. Like that's, I don't think it's a good argument to say yeah. that. Oh, Hakeem lost to Jordan because Jordan's what do you mean? a top two. Right at the top. end of the day, both like of if, them if were Shaq's good. Prime went up to right Jordan at the end prime, of the day, Jordan both of them him. were better. With like both of them took a mantle once Michael Jordan left. I think people forget where as bad as the NBA was at the end of the nineties. I sort of talked about him. I make the case the early nineties were an incredible, was an incredible time for the end for the NBA. Where by the time. When Michael Jordan leaves, there are so many people who people who guys are saying, oh, it's their turn to take the mantle. And all of a sudden, you have Charles Barkley with the Suns. You have David Robinson. You have Patrick Ewing. You have Stockton and Malone. You have Reggie Miller. You have Chris Mullen. You even have Shaq at that point who's young. You have all these guys saying – Hakeem is better than oh, all those right. guys. I agree. And, and I, I think, think Shaq's I think, better than Hakeem. And I think, I think the That's fact – That's the thing. Like, you're not, we should well, move on because you're not going to convince think, me because the issue is but can I, I think Shaq's I better than I haven't made my Hakeem. point yet. Can you let me make my point? My, okay. my only point is I think the fact that out of that group, with that group, Hakeem was the one who took the mantle and won two straight championships speaks more to me than – Shaq dominating in just a less talented league. I get. Um, like I think, like I said, I think it's very close. But that was ultimately what the clincher was for me. Look, the bottom line is you're you're making it seem like like in 2000 there weren't players like Allen Iverson, Kevin Garnett, Tim Duncan. No, but Josh Charles Barkley doesn't play center. All right, but Chris did, you, did play you not center. hear what I said at the beginning about all the about? But you, I'm responding to the point you just made. All right, Josh. fine, just big guys. The list of power forwards and centers where Hakeem would play against both of them. Where like these guys are going to become big guys in the league. You have Charles Barkley. You have Patrick Ewing. You have Shaq. You have David Robinson. You have Karl Malone. You even have Sean Kemp. Like that's just a better okay, list of guys. Kevin Garnett. Yeah, but it's not that much better than Kevin Garnett, Tim Duncan, still David Robinson at the time, Shaq. Alonzo Mourning, who we talked about, Dikembe yeah, Mutombo. At, yeah. at the end of the at the end of the day, I there are two guys on my list who I mentioned plus power forwards, which Hakeem would play against with Shaq Dinnett. Whereas there are two honorable mentions on your list from like the just his contemporaries in his position were better, far better. But when you look at the advanced oh, yeah. numbers, Josh, and you and Shaq better. And he has a similar career path. I guess I'm valuing advanced numbers over people he played against. Well, I, I guess think that's what it boils down to. 
I think the advanced numbers have to do with people you played against. I mean, but to I a certain extent, but at the same time, win shares is consistent because the, what I'm looking at is is Shaq's win shares compared to people around him and Hakeem's. Like, I, I'm not going to fault Shaq for playing when he did and for for being born in 1972. Like, I'm not going to say, not, and that's what yeah. you guys are doing. You're you're giving Hakeem the nod over Shaq because of his competition. We're not, well, I think that we're I not, think no, wait, Sammy. We're not faulting Shaq for, for being born. No, no, we're not. Just we're not faulting Shaq for being born in a later year. We're we're fault. We're not even faulting Shaq at all. It's very close. I think all Josh is saying is that Hakeem had better players that he would play against, whereas Shaq had also really good players he'd play against, but Hakeem's were better. Right, and Shaq's advanced numbers are better, and that's what I'm saying matters more, and that's where we disagree. But you are, but rate what you said just then. You said we're not faulting Shaq. For not have, having played against good competition, we're just giving Hakeem the edge. That is Falcon Shaq in turn. Like that, we're not, those aren't those two not, things no. are not mutually exclusive at all. It's not. It's not Shaq's fault that he was born in a later year or played different players. It, I mean, it's just no different it's, than saying that. Like my argument with the '96 Bulls and 2017 Warriors. At the end of the day, you do have to look at who they're playing against. Otherwise, and, and what and you said that the '90s. So 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 let me get this straight. The '94 and '95 eras were incredible, but '96 sucked. Yeah, actually, because after okay. 95... Okay, no, so that's fine. That's what we're going with. Well, do you want my explanation for it? Well, no, let's move on. We've been doing this for too long. All right, but you asked me to make a point, and I said yes, and then you sounded like you disagreed with it. I think I should be allowed to explain the reasoning for that. Okay, but, okay, but I'm done talking about it. All right, it's just all the players, most of the players that I listed took big drop-offs after 95, including Akeem, and there was expansion. All right. So top to three, point. I'm assuming we're all going to have the same. Same uh, players. Okay. I, I don't know if it'll all be the same way. I, yep. I have Wilt at three. Yeah. And then too, I have too. Bill Russell yeah. at two and Kareem at one. Me too. Yeah. Same. So I, the numbers on Kareem with the longevity are, it's just incredible. I mean, first off, he just has the most, he has the record for the most spread out, both finals MVP and all NBA, where he made the, he won finals MVPs 14 years apart and was an all NBA 16 years apart, which LeBron will probably break the all NBA thing. Um, But just that in itself is incredible. And if you just look at his prime, some of the numbers are incredible. We're just for the first seven years of his career. He averaged 30 points, 16 rebounds, 5 assists, 3.7 blocks, with a defensive rating of 90, a 26.8 PER, and 131.7 win shares, which means that over the first third of his career, he racked up more win shares than the entire careers of John Havlicek, Steve Nash, Rick Barry, Patrick Ewing, Scottie Pippen, Dwayne Wade, Kevin McHale, and Elvin Hayes. Um, he played 237 of 238 playoff games, which is three more seasons and only missed 80 regular season games. And I think something that's also forgotten with him is that there was a five-year period where once he left the Bucks with Oscar and before Magic came to the Lakers, where he was playing on really bad teams. And I was just doing some digging last night with him. And in 1977, the Lakers' two best players were injured. And among his remaining teammates, there was a combined one all-star appearance that had come five years earlier on the entire team. And with that team in the regular season, they won 53 games with him getting a 26-13, blocks, 92 defensive rating and winning the MVP. And then in the playoffs, he brought that bad team to the conference finals by putting up a 34.6, 17.7, 3.5 blocks, 32.4 32.4 PER in absurd 0.332 win shares per 48 and a 93 defensive rating. We're just, I don't know if that type of thing has really mm-hmm. ever been matched. Uh, I really don't have much of a point against that, but, or not even against that, but much to say about that other than that, that is extremely cool. I really didn't realize the fact that he had five year, those that year or season where it was, he was basically the only one who was an all-star caliber. That, that was probably one of the most interesting parts for me. Yeah. Well, I mean, he gets traded to the Lakers in seven and I think either 74, 75 or 75, 76. 
And then Magic's rookie year is 79-80. And in that span, he dominates, brings the Lakers, who are not a good team, to the conference finals and has like one or two MVPs in that span. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My favorite Kareem story, and I have a story, is just that you have you guys heard of the movie? Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's a very it's a and it's a very good movie. It's the best movie. Oh yeah, it's awesome. It's like uh my dad says what is it? It's like my dad says you stink, but I don't think so. And then it's like You're gonna butcher it. He uh Kareem says to the kid, like, you can tell your dad to shove it or something like that. It, it was something along that. It's been a while yeah. since I've seen yeah. it. Yeah. Well, the kid <laughs> says, like, back. my dad hates you. He That's says you don't is. try on defense and never try except for the – and don't and only try at all in the playoffs. That's what it was. My bad. Um, yeah. yeah. It's a great line. <laughs> also with Kareem, correct me if I'm wrong with this, but off the top of my head, he's the only guy in the NBA who I can think of who played productive basketball in his 40s. Where as a forty-year-old in the Bartolo NBA, Colon. no, yeah, Bartolo Colon sounds right. Just yeah, as a forty-year-old, he averaged twenty-two points and two point five blocks in the eighty-seven finals on the winning team. Which, like, I just don't know if there's anyone in the NBA who's done that type of thing in their forties. Uh, um. Yeah. Yeah. He's the most MVPs ever. Yeah. If you just look at it in yeah. that one context, he's the most valuable player of all yeah. time. And he should have even had one more where I know we don't like doing this, but I was looking at it. The I'm other never day, going to do it. And nineteen seventy two is one of the most absurd or nineteen seventy three is one of the most absurd examples of voter fatigue I've ever seen. Where Kareem had won the past two MVPs and they were really excited about this new what good white player named Dave Cowens. So that year, Kareem, Kareem had a 30-16, five assists. Dwayne, Dave Cowens had 20.5, 16.2, and 4.1 assists. So rebound similar, difference in points by 10. And then in the they didn't have advanced numbers back then. But that year, Kareem had a 28.5 PER, Dave Cowens at 18.1. And Kareem had 21.9 win shares and Cowens at 12.0. So... I do like to like. I I know they didn't, but he was the best player for four straight years in the NBA, where he won three out of four, and by any basic statistical measure, should have won four straight. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't like just changing history or what we do there, like Sam said earlier. But I think it's okay to say that he didn't win MVP, but he was right. Well, I th- I think I mean he was the best. Like he it, yeah. he was the best player of the seventies. Right. I mean, I that's think the bottom line. Really. I, I th- right. I think yeah. what the just in general what the MVP is, it's to measure what the best player in the league is, and the most valuable. Right. Player. That's that's the thing, Josh. It's not. A, it really isn't about the best player. Well, right. But that- I mean, just as we have, like, if you just look at the two advanced numbers today, they give Kareem that, and I think as we have, like, it's happening in baseball where people are just looking back at some of the MVPs, and it's absurd. Like, I was just looking the other day at one guy named Rabbit Marinville. Who, I love that. Oh, you talk about him a lot, actually. Yeah, who he, in like 1913, he finished third in MVP voting, even though he hit like 247 with a 1.8 war and 45 errors. It's just like, as we have more information about statistics, I think it's okay to not reward the, to like re-give the MVP, but to sort of go back and reevaluate the way, you know what I mean? I, I just don't agree. Uh, yeah, I, mean, I know what you're saying, but I agree with Sam. Um, I mean, you want to talk about Kareem. The, the one thing is that I, I love win shares. He has 273 of them. Yeah, it's absurd. That's just insane. That's the most of all time by far. Yeah. I, 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 There's nothing else you can say. Yeah. No, you do that. Just LeBron <laughs> might overtake him for this, but up to this point, Kareem is by far the best combination in NBA history of dominance and longevity. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't know if LeBron's going to play in a sport. I think he will at this point. I don't. Think I mean, LeBron also just LeBron all, in terms of years. LeBron is our, he'll wind up. Play, he's right now at what seventeen, eighteen years because he came out of high school, whereas Kareem played four years. Of, so yeah. just 
Right, so Kareem played 20. I assume LeBron's going to play at least three more years in the NBA. Barring, barring yeah. surprise, like, right. injury. I mean, it remains, to be, right, it, I mean, oh, it yeah. remains no. to be seen how good LeBron is three years from now. But I think he'll probably, at the very least, rack up the years Honestly, of minutes. I know LeBron wants yeah. there to be a season this season because, like, he has a strong chance. I think I know, everybody but, like, wants to be Yeah, he does because, like, this gives him a really strong chance at winning like this season. Like I think he ha- is in a great position to get in our championship, but I think let's say the season doesn't happen and things come back in October. Like as far as longevity goes, this is probably pretty good for his career. This long break. No, he had that last year. Yeah. At this point in his career, yeah, it's, we're, we're past it's, that point and we're yeah. at the point where the he more needs, that he can play, right. the better because he's getting. We older. don't know how much time. He, where the interesting thing is, I was really thinking a lot about it after watching the 2013 <laughs> game six, where even though I still always say 2018 is the greatest LeBron ever was, it is clear that just physically he yeah. is past his prime. We're like twenty, just even. But but that's the thing. That's what's so great about LeBron is that's, he might be past exactly. his prime, but he reinvented his game again, right? And is now the best passer in the league. I mean, he's past his right. athletic prime. There's no, a, right? There's a difference there. I'm, not, I'm not denying yeah. that he's still a dominant or great player. It's just no. But I'm I'm disagreeing. No, I, Josh I isn't saying he's not. Well, I, my point is, yeah. just athletically, he's not the guy he once was. Oh yeah, yeah, and, yeah, of course. Oh yeah, if you're if you're specifically talking athletic prime, then his prime was like his third year in the league. Statistical, yeah. And dominance, then where he's it's still just that watching that game, it was like, oh wow, this is just a, he's as great as LeBron mm-hmm. is today. It's a different animal. Where just yeah. yeah, and we don't know how many years he has left in him. I still think that he has, at the very least, three or four more years left as a like yeah. an All Star caliber player. Just because right now he's MVP caliber. Yeah, right? we all agree. Yeah. Is I it mean, crazy right now, I, I to say like starting maybe? In had. three years, that whatever team he's on, if he's signed like a long term contract or a short term, to just go ahead and try and buy like way ahead of time the tickets to those to like whatever wherever you're living so that you can make sure you can see a farewell tour game for him. Does that make sense? I think I completely what? miss where that my point. Yeah. I'm, yeah. Yeah. I'm really confused. Yeah, okay, you want us you want us to go buy tickets to a future game yeah, that, that LeBron might play as Oh, last you're game. saying you're saying we should buy Wizards and let's say he signs the Lakers <laughs> for seven years, Wizards Lakers tickets in 2023, 2024, 2025, Not now, but now in a couple of years. Am I crazy to want to do that? I don't know what you, I still don't know what you mean really because how KP, until he, where until he announces I'm so confused. Listen, if you can find KP. NBA tickets on sale for games five years from now. Really? Hit me up. <laughs> but yeah, I think the Josh, logic I, in what you said makes no that, sense. That's more what but I was sentiment. The sentiment, the yeah, sentiment is beautiful. Yoni, thanks for looking out for me. <laughs> yeah. And if I could, I would clap. But Josh, You're welcome, uh, talk to me after the call. I actually <laughs> know when you can buy tickets five years <laughs> in the future. Oh, great. Can I get 2025 yeah, Orioles? Talk to me after the pod. Great. Now, Josh, you want Orioles? Um, Orioles Super Bowl winning season. Yep, we're gonna win the Super Bowl. Yeah, then. come on, Drake. they are. Um, all right, they, well, Josh, we, they have a better chance of winning a Super Bowl right. than a World Series. Yeah, nah, it's factual because maybe the Ravens will oh, win it. Nope, you're going and too far, like, Josh. You're going opening too far. day. No, opening day. No, the, you're ruining it. Opening day, the Ravens come no. and Josh some of the Orioles players get to hold the trophy. It's the closest they'll ever come. He kind of salvaged it by saying that's the closest they'll ever come. It was. We're, they'll get to hold it a championship. It started out bad, trophy. slightly recovered. Yeah, I like, have much, let's put it this way: I have much more faith of the exact scenario occurring, where the Ravens win the Super Bowl and then they have a celebration for them at Camden Yards, and they let Orioles players hold the trophy than I do in the Orioles winning a World Series themselves. So that was. KB, I have a question. All right. Moving on, like a, about a week and a half ago. I was talking about maybe doing a make my case or make your case about how Bill Russell is better than Wilt. And I'm like, does anybody not agree? And you said that you thought Wilt you was talking, better. Did you say What's my name? Shame? I couldn't hear you. I just heard you ask the question. Um, yeah. 
because you told me you thought World was better. So happen, I got so I'm reading a bit because I wanted to be amply prepared for the podcast. And it was just kind of like the impact of Bill Russell. I didn't really know, A, about his passing game and how that really helped the offense in the way it did. Like, there was a lot about Bill Russell's game that I didn't know of outside of the fact that he won 11 cha- uh, went to 11 championships and won 13 and went won 13. 11 of them, of them. I always get that messed up in my head. But so there was a lot more to his career that I honestly didn't know about. So like I said, I got to reading and I learned the things that I didn't know. And that's kind of where I went with um, having him over Will. Reading the uh, book I of basketball? I read that chapter, actually. Yeah, so I actually... Yeah, so, like, basically. Just doing research. So for me, the biggest thing is where... So I actually don't love the, that book of basketball chapter just because a lot of the stuff he uses is like cherry-picked stats where like... Well, he's a very biased Right, guy. where like... The the well, one thing that a lot of stuff yeah. in all of it, the entire where book is the one biased. thing I really don't like that he does in that chapter is when he compares the quality of the teams, where he just uses number of Hall of Famers, which is sort of like the antithesis of ent- of his entire book, where like basically he spends four hundred pages saying the Hall of Fame is stupid and this shouldn't be the way we rate players, and if he did it based on players in his pyramid, which is his preferred method. At least until 66 or 67, Russell's teams are inarguably far superior. The biggest thing for me... To who's? To, to Wilts. Can... Okay. Um, oh, to Wilts. Yeah. Um, way better than Wilts. And, and I think the biggest thing for me is just the fact that everyone from back then says Russell was better and that mm-hmm. he was the best guy. Where, like... And I had talked about this before where, like, the difference of media narrative versus player narrative at the time and with the Boston media, where the players voted on MVPs and Russell won more, but the media voted on MVPs and Wilt had on All-NBA, and Wilt had more first-team All-NBA. But at the end of the day, everyone back then says Russell was better. Even Jerry West said Russell was better. And that, that was the biggest thing for me. We're like, at the end of the day, and this is sort of what was the biggest thing for me, well, we'll talk about it later, but with Jordan and LeBron, where at the end of the day, we can be fans and we can watch the game and we can analyze stats. But if the people who are there and playing are unanimously saying something, I'm going to have to just give it to them, listen to them. No, I totally get it. If that. you know what I mean. I have no idea what you're saying. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, I understand. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, I last week, just one more thing on mm-hmm. the Wilt Russell before we wrap up is last week I was interested to see what people thought about that discussion. So I posted on my Instagram, like a little poll asking Wilt versus Russell. And it was, it wasn't very close. Most I'm, I mean, most people who answered mm-hmm. were very casual NBA fans. So it was, it wasn't very close and it was leaning toward Wilt by a lot. Mm. So if you if you were to ask casual NBA fans, I think they'd say Wilt. But if you read more of the stories, and I think I it's also just understanding the context of the NBA, where like Wilt scored fifty a game in the year in a league where Russell was the only good center, and he was taking. It also gets to the point where scoring fifty points a game in a year is a bad thing for his legacy. Well, but like he did. I know that sounds crazy, but the right. fact that he could is a little ridiculous. But just even if you look at the context of that accomplishment, he did it taking forty shots a game in a league where Russell was the only other good center. And this is the most important thing. There was no such thing as offensive goaltending. So he would redirect his teammates' shots in or tip mm-hmm. them in off the rim. Like, it's he got a lot yeah. of points that way. And that, 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 was, yeah. that was honestly the offensive goaltending rule and the pace are the two biggest things for me with him. Huh. Uh, well, there it is. All right. So, so that, that was, uh, yeah. Sammy, is it okay if I do my uh, usual part here before I hand it over? So, as a reminder, check out the Floater Pod on Instagram. And where else, Sammy? Twitter, but thanks. Instagram. You were close. I almost got it. Facebook. Nope, not on Facebook yet. On Snapchat, Snapchat. yet. Mm. 
Uh, check out. Not yet. Not you can check us out nope, on TikTok. Not on TikTok yet. <laughs> That'd be fun. Mm. Thank you. But you can check out uh, Sammy's we're TikTok. Never going on TikTok. Uh, <laughs> so aside from that, stuff. I'm going to also remind you, check out flutterpod.com tomorrow. And Twitter. <laughs> tomorrow we've got our watch roll. Uh, Thursday we'll either have uh, Make Your Case or we'll have in our Open Mic Monday Thursday edition. I got that right for once. And then Friday we're going to be starting our list of like greatest 15-ish players of all time and we'll uh, see how we're going to break that down make it I, I have a feeling we're going to we'll do see what we make it and we'll see yeah. how many episodes we make it into I just assume the 50 range but and then after that, I feel like the natural step is to turn to the NFL, right? Yeah, I agree. We'll talk about it after the podcast. Yeah. I'd enjoy I that. Agree. But yeah, aside from that, Sammy, what are you doing today? Well, as always, starting yesterday, it is my duty, responsibility, honor, integrity, and Malcolm to remind you yeah. to – did I say Malcolm? Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. That's – I'm sorry. Okay, so it's my <laughs> – So you're going to want to listen to your officials in terms of what they say to do. Like if they're telling you to do something, you should listen. If they're saying don't do something, listen to that too. And stay home. No, just stay loyal. 